Day 5. The First Story of the Decameron. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eugene Smith. The Decameron by Giovanni Boccaccio. Translated by J. M. Rigg. Day 5. The first story. Chimon, by loving, waxes wise, wins his wife Iphigenia by capture on the high seas, and is imprisoned at Rhodes. He is delivered by Lysimachus, and the twain capture Cassandra and recapture Iphigenia in the hour of their marriage. They flee with their ladies to Crete, and having there married them, are brought back to their homes. Many stories, sweet my ladies, occur to me as meet for me to tell by way of ushering in a day so joyous as this will be, of which one does most commend itself to my mind, because not only has it one of those happy endings of which today we are in quest, but twill enable you to understand how holy, how mighty, and how salutary are the forces of love, which not a few, witting not what they say, do most unjustly reprobate and reviled, which, if I err not, should to you, for that I take you to be enamoured, be indeed welcome. Once upon a time, then, as we have read in the ancient histories of the Cypriots, there was in the island of Cyprus a very great noble named Aristippus, a man rich in all worldly goods beyond all other of his countrymen, and who might have deemed himself incomparably blessed, but for a single sore affliction that fortune had allotted him, which was that among his sons he had one, the best grown and handsomest of them all, that was well-nigh a hopeless imbecile. His true name was Galesus, but as neither his tutor's pains, nor his father's coaxing or chastisement, nor any other method, had availed to imbue him with any tincture of letters or manners, but he still remained gruff and savage of voice, and in his bearing liker to a beast than to a man, all, as in derision, were wont to call him Chimon, which in their language signifies the same as bestione, brute, in ours. The father, grieved beyond measure to see his son's life thus blighted, and having abandoned all hope of his recovery, nor caring to have the cause of his mortification ever before his eyes, bade him betake him to the farm, and there keep with his husbandmen. To Chimon the change was very welcome, because the manners and habits of the uncouth hinds were more to his taste than those of the citizens. So to the farm Chimon hied him, and addressed himself to the work thereof, and being thus employed, he chanced one afternoon, as he passed, staff on shoulder, from one domain to another, to enter a plantation, the like of which for beauty there was not in those parts, and which was then, for twas the month of May, a mass of greenery. And as he traversed it, he came, as fortune was pleased to guide him, to a meadow girt in with trees exceeding tall, and having in one of its corners a fountain most fair and cool, 
beside which he espied a most beautiful girl lying asleep on the green grass clad only in a vest of such fine stuff that it scarce in any measure veiled the whiteness of her flesh and below the waist naught but an apron most white and fine of texture and likewise at her feet there slept two women and a man her slaves no sooner did chimon catch sight of her than as if he had never before seen form of woman he stopped short and leaning on his cudgel regarded her intently saying never a word and lost in admiration and in his rude soul which despite a thousand lessons had hitherto remained impervious to every delight that belongs to urbane life he felt the awakening of an idea that bade his gross and coarse mind acknowledge that this girl was the fairest creature that had ever been seen by mortal eye and thereupon he began to distinguish her several parts praising her hair which showed to him as gold her brow her nose and mouth her throat and arms and above all her bosom which was as yet but in bud and as he gazed he changed of a sudden from a husbandman into a judge of beauty and desired of all things to see her eyes which the weight of her deep slumber kept close shut and many a time he would fain have awakened her that he might see them but so much fairer seemed she to him than any other woman that he had seen that he doubted she must be a goddess and he was not so devoid of sense but that he deemed things divine more worthy of reverence than things mundane he forbore and waited until she should wake of her own accord and though he found the delay over long yet enthralled by so unwonted a delight he knew not how to be going however after he had tarried a long while it so befell that iphigenia such was the girl's name her slave still sleeping awoke and raised her head and opened her eyes and seeing chimon standing before her leaning on his staff was not a little surprised and said chimon what seekest thou in this wood at this hour for chimon she knew well as indeed did almost all in the countryside by reason alike of his uncouth appearance as of the rank and wealth of his father to iphigenia's question he answered never a word but as soon as her eyes were open naught could he do but intently regard them for it seemed to him that a soft influence emanated from them which filled his soul with a delight that he had never before known which the girl marking began to misdoubt that by so fixed a scrutiny his boorish temper might be prompted to some act that should cause her dishonour wherefore she roused her women and got up saying keep thy distance chimon in god's name whereto chimon made answer i will come with thee and albeit the girl refused his escort being still in fear of him she could not get quit of him but he attended her home after which she hied him straight to his father's house and announced that he was minded on no account to go back to the farm which intelligence was far from welcome to his father and kinsman but nevertheless they suffered him to stay and waited to see what might be the reason of his change of mind so chimon whose heart closed to all teaching love's shaft sped by the beauty of iphigenia had penetrated 
did now graduate in wisdom with such celerity as to astonish his father and kinsmen and all that knew him he began by requesting his father to let him go clad in the like apparel and with in all respects the like personal equipment as his brothers which his father very gladly did mixing thus with the gallants and becoming familiar with the manners proper to gentlemen and especially to lovers he very soon to the exceeding great wonder of all not only acquired the rudiments of letters but waxed most eminent among the philosophic wits after which for no other cause than the love he bore to iphigenia he not only modulated his gruff and boorish voice to a degree of smoothness suitable to urbane life but made himself accomplished in singing in music in riding also and in all matters belonging to war as well by sea as by land he waxed most expert and hardy and in some that i go not about to enumerate each of his virtues in detail he had not completed the fourth year from the stay of his first becoming enamoured before he was grown the most gallant and courteous ay and the most perfect in particular accomplishments of the young cavaliers that were in the island of cyprus what then gracious ladies are we to say of cimon verily naught else but that the high faculties with which heaven had endowed his noble soul invidious fortune had bound with the strongest of cords and circumscribed within a very narrow region of his heart all which cords love more potent than fortune burst and break in pieces and then with the might wherewith he wakens dormant powers he brought them forth of the cruel obfuscation in which they lay into clear light plainly showing thereby whence he may withdraw and whither he may guide by his beams the souls that are subject to his sway now albeit by his love for iphigenia cimon was betrayed as young lovers very frequently are into some peccadilloes yet aristippus reflecting that it had turned him from a booby into a man not only bore patiently with him but exhorted him with all his heart to continue steadfast in his love and cimon who still refused to be called galesus because twas as cimon that iphigenia had first addressed him being desirous to accomplish his desire by honourable means did many a time urge his suit upon her father Chipsius, that he would give her him to wife whereto Chipsius always made the same answer to wit that he had promised her to pasimondas a young rhodian noble and was not minded to break faith with him however the time appointed for iphigenia's wedding being come and the bridegroom having sent for her cimon said to himself tis now for me to show thee iphigenia how great is my love for thee tis by thee that i am grown a man nor doubt i if i shall have thee that i shall wax more glorious than a god and verily thee i will have or die having so said he privily enlisted in his cause certain young nobles that were his friends and secretly fitted out a ship with all equipment meet for combat and put to sea on the lookout for the ship that was to bear iphigenia to rhodes and her husband and at length when her father had done lavishing honours upon her husband's friends iphigenia embarked 
and the mariners, shaping their course for roads, put to sea. Jimon was on the alert, and overhauled them the very next day, and standing on his ship's prow, shouted amain to those that were aboard Iphigenia's ship, Bring to, strike sails, or look to be conquered and sunk in the sea. Then, seeing that the enemy had gotten their arms above deck, and were making ready to make a fight of it, he followed up his words by casting a grapnel upon the poop of the Rhodians, who were making great way. And having thus made their poop fast to his prow, he sprang, fierce as a lion, reckless whether he were followed or no, onto the Rhodian ship, making, as it were, no account of them, and animated by love, hurled himself, sword in hand, with prodigious force among the enemy, and cutting and thrusting right and left, slaughtered them like sheep. Insomuch that the Rhodians, marking the fury of his onset, threw down their arms, and as with one voice did all acknowledge themselves his prisoners. To whom Chimon, Gallants, quoth he, "'Twas neither lust or beauty nor enmity to you "'that caused me to put out from Cyprus "'to attack you here with force of arms on the high seas. "'Moved was I thereto by that which to gain "'is to me a matter great indeed, "'which peaceably to yield me is to you but a slight matter. "'For it is even Iphigenia, whom more than aught else I love, "'whom, as I might not have her of her father in peaceable and friendly sort, love has constrained me to take from you in this high-handed fashion and by force of arms, to whom I mean to be even such as would have been your Passamondus. Wherefore, give her to me, and go your way, and God's grace go with you. Yielding rather to force than prompted by generosity, the Rhodians surrendered Iphigenia, all tears, to Chimon, who, marking her tears, said to her, Grieve not, noble lady, thy Chimon am I, who, by my long love, have established a far better right to thee than Pasimondas by the faith that was plighted to him. So saying, he sent her aboard his ship, whither he followed her, touching naught that belonged to the Rhodians, and suffering them to go their way. To have gotten so dear a prize, made him the happiest man in the world. But for a time, twas all he could do to assuage her grief. Then, after taking counsel with his comrades, he deemed it best not to return to Cyprus for the present, and so, by common consent, they shaped their course for Crete, where most of them, and especially Chimon, had alliances of old or recent date, and friends not a few whereby they deemed that they might tarry with Iphigenia in security. But fortune, that had accorded Chimon so gladsome a capture of the lady, suddenly proved fickle, and converted the boundless joy of the enamoured gallant into woeful and bitter lamentation. T'was not yet full four hours since Chimon had parted from the Rhodians, when, with the approach of night, that night from which Chimon hoped such joyance as he had never known, came weather most turbulent and tempestuous, which wrapped the heavens in cloud and swept the sea with scathing blasts, whereby twas not possible for any to see how the ship was to be worked or steered, or to steady himself so as to do any duty upon her deck. 
whereat what grief was Chimon's it boots not to ask. Indeed, it seemed to him that the gods had granted his heart's desire, only that it might be harder for him to die, which had else been to him but a light matter. Not less downcast were his comrades, but most of all Iphigenia, who, weeping bitterly and shuddering at every wave that struck the ship, did cruelly curse Chimon's love and censure his rashness, averring that this tempest was come upon them for no other cause than that the gods had decreed that, as t'was in despite of their will that he purposed to espouse her, he should be frustrate of his presumptuous intent, and having lived to see her expire, should then himself meet a woeful death. While thus, and yet more bitterly, they bewailed them, and the mariners were at their wits' end, as the gale grew hourly more violent, nor knew they, nor might conjecture, whither they went, they drew nigh the island of Rhodes, albeit that Rhodes it was they wist not, and set themselves, as best and most skilfully they might, to run the ship aground, in which enterprise fortune favoured them, bringing them into a little bay where, shortly before them, was arrived the Rhodian ship that Chimon had let go. Nor were they sooner aware that twas Rhodes they had made, than day broke, and the sky thus brightening a little, they saw that they were about a bow-shot from the ship that they had released on the preceding day. Whereupon Chimon, vexed beyond measure, being apprehensive of that which in fact befell them, bade make every effort to win out of the bay, and let fortune carry them whither she would, for nowhere might they be in worse plight than there. So might and main they strove to bring the ship out, but all in vain. The violence of the gale thwarted them to such purpose as not only to preclude their passage out of the bay, but to drive them, willing-nilling, ashore. Whither no sooner were they come than they were recognized by the Rhodian mariners who had already landed, of whom one ran with all speed to a farm hard by, whither the Rhodian gallants were gone, and told them that fortune had brought Chimon and Iphigenia aboard their ship into the same bay to which she had guided them. Whereat the gallants were overjoyed, and taking with them not a few of the farm servants, hide them in hot haste to the shore, where Chimon and his men, being already landed with intent to take refuge in a neighboring wood, they took them all with Iphigenia and brought them to the farm. Whence, pursuant to an order of the Senate of Rhodes, to which, so soon as he received the news, Passamondus made his complaint, Chimon and his men were all marched off to prison by Lysimachus, chief magistrate of the Rhodians for that year, who came down from the city for the purpose with an exceeding great company of men-at-arms. On such wise did our hapless and enamoured Chimon lose his so lately won Iphigenia before he had had of her more than a kiss or two. Iphigenia was entertained and comforted of the annoy, occasioned as well by her recent capture as by fury of the sea, by not a few noble ladies of Rhodes, with whom she tarried until the day appointed for her marriage. In recompense of the release of the Rhodian gallants on the preceding day, the lives of Chimon and his men were spared, notwithstanding that Passimondus pressed might and main for their execution, and instead they were condemned to perpetual imprisonment. Wherein, as may be supposed, 
they abode in dolorous plight and despaired of ever again knowing happiness however it so befell that Passamonus accelerating his nuptials to the best of his power fortune as if repenting her that in her haste she had done shimon so evil a turn did now by a fresh disposition of events compass his deliverance Passamonus had a brother by name hormisdas his equal in all respects save in years who had long been contract to marry cassandra a fair and noble damsel of rhodes of whom lysimachus was in the last degree enamoured but owing to diverse accidents the marriage had been from time to time put off now Passamondus, being about to celebrate his nuptials with exceeding great pomp bethought him that he could do no better than to avoid a repetition of the pomp and expense arrange if so he might that his brother should be wedded on the same day with himself so having consulted anew with cassandra's kinsfolk and come to an understanding with them he and his brother and they conferred together and agreed that on the same day that possimondus married iphigenia hormisdas should marry cassandra lysimachus getting wind of this arrangement was mortified beyond measure seeing himself thereby deprived of the hope which he cherished of marrying cassandra himself if hormisdas should not forestall him but like a wise man he concealed his chagrin and cast about how he might frustrate the arrangement to which end he saw no other possible means but to carry cassandra off it did not escape him that the office which he held would render this easily feasible but he deemed it all the more dishonourable than if he had not held the office but in short after much pondering honour yielded place to love and he made up his mind that come what might he would carry cassandra off then as he took thought what company he should take with him and how he should go about the affair he remembered chimon whom he had in prison with his men and it occurred to him that he could not possibly have a better or more trusty associate in such an enterprise than chimon wherefore the same night he caused chimon to be brought privily to him in his own room and thus addressed him chimon as the gods are most generous and liberal to bestow their gifts on men so are they also most sagacious to try their virtue and those whom they find to be firm and steadfast in all circumstances they honour as the most worthy with the highest rewards they have been minded to be certified of thy worth by better proofs than thou couldst afford them as long as thy life was bounded by thy father's house amid the superabundant wealth which i know him to possess wherefore in the first place they so wrought upon thee with the shrewd incitements of love that from an insensate brute as i have heard thou grewest to be a man since when it has been and is their intent to try whether evil fortune and harsh imprisonment may avail to change thee from the temper that was thine when for a short while thou hadst joyance of the prize thou hadst won and so thou prove the same that thou wast then they have in store for thee a boon incomparably greater than aught that they vouchsafe thee before what that boon is to the end thou mayst recover heart and thy wanted energies i will now explain to thee passimondus exultant in thy misfortune and eager to compass thy death 
hastens to the best of his power his nuptials with thy Iphigenia, that so may he enjoy the prize that fortune erstwhile smiling gave thee and forthwith frowning reft from thee whereat how sore must be thy grief if rightly i gauge thy love i know by my own case seeing that his brother hormisdas addresses himself to do me on the same day a like wrong in regard of cassandra whom i love more than aught else in the world nor see i that fortune has left us any way of escape from this her unjust and cruel spite save what we may make for ourselves by a resolved spirit and the might of our right hands take we then the sword and therewith make we each prize of his lady thou for the second i for the first time for so thou value the recovery i say not of thy liberty for without thy lady i doubt thou wouldst hold it cheap but of thy lady the gods have placed it in thine own hands if thou art but minded to join me in my enterprise these words restored to chimon all that he had lost of heart and hope nor pondered he long before he replied lysimachus comrade stouter or more staunch than i thou mightest not have in such an enterprise if such indeed is be as thou sayest wherefore lay upon me such behest as thou shalt deem meet and thou shalt marvel to witness the vigour of my performance whereupon lysimachus on the third day from now quoth he their husbands houses will be newly entered by the brides and on the same day at even we too will enter them in arms thou with thy men and i with some of mine in whom i place great trust and forcing our way among the guests and slaughtering all that dare to oppose us will bear the ladies off to a ship which i have had privily got ready chimon approved the plan and kept quiet in prison until the appointed time which being come the nuptials were celebrated with great pomp and magnificence that filled the houses of the two brothers with festal cheer then lysimachus having made ready all things meet and fired chimon and his men and his own friends for the enterprise by a long harangue disposed them in due time all bearing arms under their cloaks in three companies and having privily dispatched one company to the port that when the time should come to embark he might meet with no let he marched with the other two companies to the house of pasimondas posted the one company at the gate that being entered they might not be shut in or debarred their egress and with the other company and chimon ascended the stairs and gained the saloon where the brides and not a few other ladies were set at several tables to sup in meet order whereupon in they rushed and overthrew the tables and seized each his own lady and placed them in charge of their men whom they bade bear them off forthwith to the ship that lay ready to receive them whereupon the brides and the other ladies and the servants with one accord fell a-sobbing and shrieking insomuch that a confused din and lamentation filled the whole place chimon lysimachus and their band none withstanding but all giving way before them gained the stairs which they were already descending when they encountered pasimondas who carrying a great staff in his hand was making in the direction of the noise but one doughty stroke of chimon's sword sufficed to cleave his skull in twain 
and lay him dead at Chumon's feet. And another stroke disposed of hapless Hormizdas, as he came running to his brother's aid. Some others who ventured to approach them were wounded and beaten off by the retinue. So forth of the house, that reeked with blood and resounded with tumult and lamentation and woe, sped Chimon and Lysimachus with all their company, and without any let, in close order, with their fair booty in their midst, made good their retreat to the ship. Whereon with the ladies they one and all embarked, for the shore was now full of armed men come to rescue the ladies, and the oarsmen, giving way, put to sea elate. Arrived at Crete, they met with a hearty welcome on the part of their many friends and kinsfolk, and having married their ladies, they made greatly merry, and had gladsome joyance of their fair booty. Their doings occasioned, both in Cyprus and in Rhodes, no small stir and commotion, which lasted for a long while. But in the end, by the good offices of their friends and kinsfolk in both islands, twas so ordered as that after a certain term of exile, Chumon returned with Iphigenia to Cyprus, and in like manner Lysimachus returned with Cassandra to Rhodes. And long and blithely thereafter lived they, each well contented with his own wife in his own land. End of Day 5 The First Story <laughs>